What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to Friday night. It is 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the unfiltered experience where we bring you unfiltered conversations designed to move your confidence and your courage forward in life so you can be the best person you could possibly be. I am Christopher Roush, No Excuses Coach, and I'm joined, obviously, by my beautiful co-host. It's Scott Goyette, Christopher Roush, and I am glad to be here with you, brother. Isn't it? It's psyched. I'm psyched. I'm ready to go. I'm rock and rolling. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I love this new series. I love... I love what we're doing to bring purpose back into people's lives because I feel like we're we're all getting lost. Nobody's to blame. It's not an easy world. And let's be part of the solution instead of the part of the problem. So Amen. Amen. I'm excited for the for these discussions because I think really what it's going to do for our listeners is is episode by episode is going to give people building blocks to be able to identify their own identity, be able to say who they are truly without any speculation or filter of what they're supposed to be based on what other people are telling them to. So when you just live an authentic life like you and I do, it's amazing what it is that you can attract and and more importantly, the, the, the inner peace and the freedom that you feel. I think that's for me exponentially the best part of being who I am and, and finally embracing that. 100%. You know, it's it's interesting because I've been asking this question to a lot of people because we started to do this series and just asking, you know, who are you? Who do you think you are at Spirit? And the first thing people typically do is they tell you their occupation. And then they say something like, I'm a dad, I'm a husband yep. or wife. And eventually when you get them to peel back the onion and go to something deeper, you can kind of see a freedom in their spirit and their soul as they're talking to you. Something different clicks in their eyes. They go from the glossy autopilot look to here I am. And I want that for everybody, dude, because when I do my men's retreats and we do our retreats all over the world, we're in Africa, we're all over the place. There's nothing better than seeing someone come alive. And I see that curiosity, that wonderment, that childlike, here I am again as creator and not just, you know, analytical on autopilot. And I want to bring something up because um, our next guest, we both had the pleasure to have an amazing teacher, a person who exemplified the things that we're talking about. They kind of always made you think, always made you look more closely at, at yourself. Um, this gentleman and myself, we went to high school together. Um, it's funny to call him a gentleman because in my eyes, when we just saw each other, we were like little boys, you know, we see each other mm -hmm. like, hey, there's another little boy. We play basketball together. But it was amazing because through social media, even though there's such a negative, you know, um, connotation with it, oftentimes we were able to stay in touch. Um, John's also close to him because he was, you know, at home. But um, I'd get to see uh, Patrick Kennigan a lot. He recently passed with cancer. Mm -hmm. But what I remember from him, and one of the reasons most likely I probably became a professor, is I was able to see that impact and that he always wanted to bring the purpose out of you. He's like, well, why did you do that? Why are you here? Where are you going? And Chris, you know, you know, too, you know, there's a lot of split in the world of politics. Our political views were here and there, oh, but wow. we always had respect. And I was going back through the thread of our discussions and it was always a really nice discourse that I wish we could all have because we didn't have that glossy look of saying, I'm right, you're wrong. We had that. Tell me more about how you got to that thought. That is really cool. I know we talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I think that's what makes us unique in the, in the fact of, we, of doing this show is that we really make it a very intentional aspect of this conversation to get deeper, to go deeper, to find out that why, to get to that leverage point for people to sit there and say, wow, oh, now I get it. And that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get you guys to unlock that 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 blockage in your brain that says, oh, this is what's preventing me from truly living my ultimate life, right? And I, I'm excited to hear about this conversation and hear about this teacher because that's what we need more of, Scott. You know, we need more people sitting there saying, hey, tell me more about that. Let me understand where that, that belief comes from. And that's something that I've been doing to people lately. Even in their, their social media posts online, I'm like, what value does this bring to the, to the conversation with you just spouting this off? 
And some people t- have taken their post down. Like Chris, I really didn't think about it. I'm like, yeah, you got to think about it. We all come from some sort of background, some sort of heritage, some sort of upbringing that our parents also experienced as well. So a lot of that stuff's been filtered down to us. And now it's just incumbent upon us as adults to sit there and say, hey, you know, is this belief about myself accurate? Is Could I have a different uh, a belief about myself and give myself some opportunities to, to really succeed in life as opposed to be held back and limited by those beliefs that other people may have given us? Amen to that. Yeah. And one of the things, um, you know, when I started out the coaching program, one of the first things I have people do is write their own eulogy. And when someone's writing their own eulogy, they always start with the same thing. They start saying, um, Scott was a teacher. He helped many. He had these accolades and blah, blah, blah. He's a father. And they're labels that come with the experience we have in humanity. But when you pull those back, how did I make you feel? And so I'm always asking people questions like, what are the verbs or the adjectives that really drive who you are? Um, was I somebody who cared? Was I somebody who was present? Was I somebody who was authentic? Did I allow you to be vulnerable in our conversation so you could get uncomfortable and grow? And that's what I want to get to in this conversation, because I think Patrick Hennigan allowed our guest and myself to look more closely at ourselves, to find those adjectives, to find those verbs. And regardless of what our titles are, regardless of whether we did well in school, which fortunately we both did and got us here today, pay a few bills. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not who we are. And so without further ado, I'd love to invite my old good friend, who's still a good friend, but we don't see each other, John Pablo, to the show. What's up, brother? What's up, John? Welcome to the Unfiltered Experience. Christopher, this is a pleasure. I think I have a man crush already on Christopher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby. What's up, man? Thank you. I appreciate that. Scott, thanks for inviting me on. We're happy to have you here. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, let's just, just start with, you know, you know, it's, it's amazing when you look at somebody, I think in their passing, you start to look at your whole life real quick and take a look and say, who am I? And that's what made me think, you know, to bring you on there because we're both watching somebody else go. We see ourselves in that youth. You know, we're still sitting in his class acting silly and he's right. telling us, is that who you really are, John? Is that who you really are, Scott? And I'm like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You know? And so. I mean, this guy, Senor Hennigan, was my Spanish teacher. I had him yep. two different years. Um, so the quick story is I, I got a text from his niece off his phone. He was in ICU dying. And um, so I called. He wouldn't get on the phone. And she said, oh, he's got like a couple hours to a couple of days left. And uh, I said, I'm coming in. And I hear him in the background. You're not coming in. And uh, I, <laughs> I went in because, you know, I wanted him to know how I felt. You know, you and I kept in touch with him uh, through social media, text. I saw him periodically as well because I lived close. But he was a single guy, never had family or kids. Um, he had one niece, one brother. And, uh, you know, we spent three hours. I call it the living wake. I mean, I spent three hours with him sharing what he meant to me and how he really built me up from a freshman, 14-year-old, scrawny i don't know what's going on in life i'm trying to navigate my way through high school to a more self-confident what's my purpose in life and then ultimately what's my worthy ideal um and he really said you know i never realized how many people i touched until you started talking and (sighs) you know it's kind of sad but at the same time i reached out to a lot of classmates and you you included and uh, a lot of people reached out to him so his niece had talked to me after the services when he had passed and said that he was at such peace knowing what he did now did he care about the car that he drove the money he had the house no it came down to what did he do in life and 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 the people that he touched 
And I think that's how Scott and I, and probably Christopher as well, live our lives now. I mean, yeah. we had a mentor who kind of guided us in this direction. And, you know, I hope that I can instill that in my own kids. And then I'm an orthodontist and also my own patients. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's the thing. So that's the whole purpose of this season right now is showing different avenues of how we are being the light, being the change. You know, you got Gandhi, you know, different spiritual groups saying the same thing, you know, be the change. And so what does that look like to you? Because what can we all do to start becoming those that are really being the change? Because again, I could have easily, there were a few times he put posts that were so different and I was so against what they what he said, but it always came to a thread and I'm like, come on, dude. And then we went back to, he's trying to kind of teacher me. I'm going, listen, I'm an adult now. I'm not buying into that. <laughs> yeah, but we had those fun little conversations. Yeah, but there was still a beautiful discourse and there was respect. Why could we do that in this instance? And what can we tell others so that they could start doing that based on your own experience and what you're doing? Yeah, um, you know, I'm an orthodontist and people always say, oh, you, you like your job. I said, well, it's more than just a job. It's not straightening teeth. You know, my role is to really build self-confidence in these kids and teach mm -hmm. them to respect this world that they live in, uh, you know. And how do I do it? By changing their smiles, you know, and I hope that they take that and their confidence and go out and change the world. So my little piece is I'm hoping I'll touch a lot of kids the way Senior Hennigan touched all these students so that they can kind of that ripple effect. They can go out and change this world um, and make things better for everyone. Um, mm. you know, I love perfect that. answer. But it's funny you talk about your eulogy. So I had 15 years ago, I had this life coach, great guy, Nick Palumbo. Um, uh -huh. And you know, the first four day retreat, it was like, okay, you're going to write your eulogy, which took us two days. I mean, it was intense. And then you wow. go through your I am statements and, you know, yeah. I came up with 13 statements that I repeat every day. And, you know, but it, it's amazing when you write your eulogy and then you start to live your life, how, how things and your perspective changes. And then you have kids and, and then how that changes mm -hmm. more, um, and what you really want out of life. You know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, I want to work and I, I got to make money and pay bills. And I got to get a house and a car. And then it becomes none of that's important. Um, you know, what, what are we going to do to change this world that we're in and, and how are we going to have some type of a legacy? Yes. Yeah. Gonna, let me tell you, this guy has a legacy that he probably will never realize. Uh, but it's well, maybe he does right now. Maybe he's sitting there going, I get it now. He's like, I oh, you guys it. are talking about me. You guys are talking about <laughs> me. He says, when you're home alone one night, you're going to feel a, a push on your left shoulder. That'll be me. I said, if you scare the shit out of me, I'm going to be bullshit. I said, if I'm home alone and I feel <laughs> on my left shoulder, he what? wants you to know that I love you. And that's going to be me telling you I'm okay. I'm like, you don't have to touch me, please. Please don't do that to me. I got enough problems. Come on. <laughs> well, you, have, you have to let us know when it happens. You have to let us know uh, when it happens. Yeah. Everyone will know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love what you're talking about, John. And, and just to, just to give you this, this piece of feedback, I had a messed up smile all my life until my early thirties. And so I went to see a, a dentist. I had uh fangs here. I never yeah. hardly smiled. I was like this, I would never smile on my teeth. And after I went through four years of braces at 32 years old, um, veneers and everything else, I smile all the time. And people tell me, Chris, what a magnificent smile you have. What an infectious smile you have. So what you're doing is changing the world. Because honestly, every time somebody says you have a beautiful smile, I think about my orthodontist and I think about all the pain that I went through to be able to smile like I can now. So definitely what you're doing, people are going to remember you 100%. I know that. Yeah. And what I want to, I want the first question I want to ask you is, is, is thinking about this, your guys' teacher and everything. What are some of the the core values that he 
ascribe to that he would impart upon you guys? Like, because when I, th when Scott and I talk about these things, we think about, okay, what's one of the first, you know, foundational prim principles of having an amazing life. And one of those is like being congruent with your values. And yeah. so many people these days don't really know what their values are. They think, well, I value, I value this, or they don't really give it a, a strong consideration. What were some of his values and how did you take those and apply them in your life? Um, so like Scott mentioned, I think it was respect. Uh, you know, you have this, this teacher who really respected your opinion. Um, and he was open to listening to you as long as you were mature enough to present your ideas. Um, so I think that mutual respect um, really helped me. And I think also he, he really kind of kept me focused. He kept saying, keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand it until later on in life. Um, you know, the prize wasn't financial. The prize was really, you know, what are you going to do in this world to make a difference? Um, and mm -hmm. as we got older and he and I would sit down and talk about that, that's really what he instilled in me. Let's have some mutual respect. So again, your opinion might be different politically, um, but we respect each other's opinion. Let's, let's have a discussion about it. Um, we can still differ, but um, that mutual respect was key. And but he also, he also mm -hmm. loved on every single one of us. And I think that's within me. I mean, I love on all of my patients. I love on all of my team members. Damn. I mean, it, I mean, I love to go love now. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that, that was him. I mean, he loved on you. You knew it. You knew that he loved on you. And, and you know, that was that was something that just became ingrained in me from him. I, I love those two things, love and love and respect. I think I think that's a flawless synopsis of him. And that might even be a pretty damn good synopsis of what we can do to be the light. There's a book, John, that um, I was just recommending to somebody. I forget the author, but it's talking about what men really want in life. Because we've got this like illusion that we want to be badasses and tough. We want a significant other and people around us to respect and love us. And just sit yeah. with that for one second. Just sit with that. If, if you know that people around you didn't judge everything about you, they said, that's your opinion, this is mine, and they loved and respected you, doesn't that just bring like an inner peace to you? It's amazing. And that's one of the things he could bring. Like all my faults, my ridiculousness, all the things I've done in my life, and you know, I'll own up to anything, I'm an open book. In my present moment version of the best self that I'm becoming, that's the biggest thing I want to bring to people. And that's why I've got the Goal of Now program is I want to do that. I want to love on people. I want to make sure that when people leave me, they feel a little bit more at peace with themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All the time. And you can do that everywhere in life. I, I, I honestly, I, I ascribe to that, uh, Scott. Everywhere I go, if I can just leave that person feeling just a little bit better for having me been in their company, then my job was done for that day. And whether it's a, a long, deep conversation or if it's just something with a grocer or a cashier, yeah. we can all do those in our daily lives. We can, we can, and we need to do more of it. John, I got a question for you too, and I want to um, jump into this because one of the reasons that we started talking too is I just had that snowmobile accident where I you know, flipped a snowmobile and I'm laying underneath it, can't breathe, three broken ribs, two broken vertebrae. And the first thing is I'm kind of going, okay, this is how it ends. My wife and I have a running joke that I was going to die in a nursing home choking on peanut butter because I eat too fast. And so we thought there was going to be nobody around and I'd be dead. So I'm like, at least it's not the peanut butter. This, yeah, is, right. this is at least a story. Oh, yeah, the snowmobile It's better than that. But I'm still like kind of mad that it was over. I still felt that peace like I did. I did what I was supposed to do. And so John had a car accident a few years back, and then he made a complete, huge physical transformation. We're always talking about the spiritual, the emotional, um, you know, the mind, body, spirit. But one of the things I think that we've got to realize, too, is the three of those 
deeply interconnect. Like you're saying, bring the smile out. Somebody yeah. might be listening going, yeah, but that's just a smile. If people hide behind a smile is it's any piece can lead. Being confident in the physical can lead to better spiritual, better mental. Being confident in the mental can lead to start getting in shape. So talk about your journey of what it took you to come back from a car accident and say, no, I'm going to take care of this vehicle because it's the vehicle I have here on this planet so I can be the best version of me in every other part of life. Yeah. I mean, Scott, first of all, I'm glad you're okay. I mean, that, that's some scary. We're going to be okay. We're going to figure out a way. <laughs> snowmobiles, though. We've lost a few friends in those accidents. Yeah, so I'm no, glad you're okay. Whoa. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had that car accident a few years back. Um, my, my first I am statement, and this was 15 years ago, is I am healthy. I mean, the first thing I say when I wake up in the morning is I am healthy. Um, you know, and what happened after the car accident is I fell into the, okay, you have a torn rotator cuff, you've got a torn bicep. Due to my career and my work, I couldn't get it repaired because it's six months out of work and it just wasn't feasible. So I did rehab, um, but that that pain, I let it get to me. And then it was, okay, you're almost 50 years old. So now I'm 51, but you're almost 50, you're in pain. You can't work out the way you used to, you know, so I let myself go and I wasn't that I am statement. I wasn't living my I am statement anymore. And so last year, September, I said, no, I said, this has got to stop. Um, I said, turn yourself around, live, live what you say. Day one morning, I am healthy. And I started training with a trainer out of London remotely who helped me just sort of modify my exercises around the injuries. And uh, yeah, so I went, you know, like you, Scott, and probably Christopher as well. I've worked out my whole life. I've done bodybuilding. I've done triathlons. So I just needed to get back to that because I couldn't provide for my kids and be the leader I wanted to be or my patients if I was not happy with who I was. So I needed to become healthy again um, physically and then spiritually and mentally. But uh, it started with the physical back in September. I, I want to dig a little deeper on this one. And there's a big reason for it. And I know this resonates with Chris as well. Um, and he'll tell you his story, you know, with his mom. A lot of people will think that they're self-sacrificing for the benefit of others. So yeah. it would be very easy in this point for you to sit here and say, hey, I don't, I'm not happy looking in the mirror. You know, it doesn't feel good, but I've got to make money for the family. We've got this life. I want to make sure my wife, my kids, everybody's taken care of. Right. And here's the thing. You know, we, we have this illusion that like, what happens if this vehicle is, is broken later and all of a sudden they're taking care of a chronically ill parent? because they're not speaking, I am healthy. They're saying, I am hurt, I am not enough. And so then their life with John Pavel was the dad and this amazing human literally ceases to exist just because you're a financial provider. Talk to people right now who are thinking that they're doing the right thing saying, I don't have time to do stuff for me because I've got to take care of this person and this person yeah. and this person. Because this is not a sprint, this is this is a long game. No. And yeah. And I'll share one more thing that, that I think is very important. I remember my mom was a single mom and she used to buy me a pair of pants and then she'd say, take care of those pants because I couldn't buy any pants for myself. Or eat that food. I didn't have enough to get anything for myself. I'll grab something at work if people bring some donuts in or something. And so I'm filled with guilt and I'm watching somebody else self-sacrifice to not be the best. And so it didn't, it didn't empower me. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like shit. Yeah. And while she's not taking care of herself, and then that's teaching me a lesson. So walk people down that road right now, because a lot of people think I'm doing the right thing, when in yeah. fact, I think they're doing the thing that's creating the I am not enough mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. right. 
I mean, if you don't take care of yourself, like I said, I am healthy as first. If you're not healthy and physically fit and energetic, how can you become that role model that you want for your kids, your community? In my case, my patients, yeah. uh, my friends, my family. I mean, you, you just can't be that person if, you, if you're stuck working. OK, I've got to work. I've got to make money. I've got to pay bills. And all of a sudden you're out of shape. You're not working out. You have no energy. You're falling asleep in a car. You have sleep apnea. I mean, you're no good to any of those people, your family, your friends, your kids, your community. And you can't make a difference if you're not healthy. So for me, it starts with being healthy. Uh, you, you really have to. And, and you have to find time because um, so this whole transformation, um, I allowed my trainer to post it on my Facebook. And, and you probably know me. I don't put anything on social media. I just it's all office stuff. It's about the kids, the patients, their smiles, not me. Um, but I allowed him to do it because I wanted to be inspiring and motivating to people, especially men that are in their 40s and 50s who say, right. I can't do that. I've got to work. I've got kids going to college and you don't know what it's like and the stresses. We all know what it's like. We're all here for you. Boom. Uh, we're all here for you, brother. But you've got to make some time for yourself. And it's not like you said, a sprint. It's a marathon. You, you chip away at it a little, little every day. Um, you know, not big commitments. Now, I'm an early guy. I get up at three every day. I meditate. I do my thing. I start the gym at 3.30. Wow. And I'm, I'm at the office at 5.30. So it's literally an hour and 20 minutes that you put into yourself and, and, you know, listen to a podcast, listen to music, whatever you want to clear your head, but also get back that health that you need. So and you got to eat right. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have to fuel your body with with what it needs to to really run. It's a machine. And, it, and if you put crap into a car, it's not going to run right, just like your, your body. Um, so I think people need to realize that really is the number one thing. You can't take care of your family. Like you said, if you're sick, you're ill, you're, you're not able to provide for them anymore. And you can provide a lot better when you're healthy. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta like to Scott's point, you gotta have a self-love component of it. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're exhausted yourself and you're pouring into everybody else's buckets, then where is that for you? And if I, I sit there and I tell people like, who do you love the most in your world? Well, I love my kids. Like, okay. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being absolute. How much do you love your kids? 10. I'm like, okay. How much do you love yourself? Five. I'm like, so you're telling me that you love yourself a five, but you're giving, you think you're giving your, your kids a 10, but you're only giving them a five. So you need to pour within yourself. You need to have that self-resiliency and that, that perspective to sit there and say, it's not being selfish, it's self-love. And once I can get my foundational beliefs in line, get congruent with my values and start taking better care of myself, how much more capacity, how much more patience, how much more love, how much more excitement am I going to have with my kids to really give them what they deserve in a parent, right? And so I think that's one of the things. And from one of those, those, those aspects of that, that self-love component we find, is that people are carrying this, this hatred, this resentment, this anger, this hostility towards people in their past or themselves from mistakes they've, they've, they've made. Talk to us about empathy and forgiveness in your life and how we can help some of these people who want to find more love for themselves, but they're constantly berating themselves for all the, the past stuff and all the things that happened to them instead of for them. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. See, uh, you can't hold on to that negative. I mean, you hold on to negative energy every day. It's going to weigh you down. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to forgive. I mean, this life is a quick life and if you're going to make a difference and really inspire and change people's lives for the better you have to forgive um, we're all going to make mistakes and you have to understand that um, and so if, if you hold something and you hold this grudge against someone or some people it's really a tough way to live i just can't imagine that i mean you wake up 
I wake up in the morning, do my I am statements, and there's no negative energy around me. Um, you know, life's not perfect, but you have to forgive. I mean, uh, so my next door neighbor up in uh, the lakes, uh, New Hampshire, he's married now. They're 57 years this year. And I said, what's the secret? And he said, forgiveness. That's oh, the yeah. one word. He said, you know, we're going to have good and bad days. She's going to be sick. She'll be healthy. We take care of each other. But at the end of the day, we have to forgive each other. And that's what we've done. And, the, and they're the happiest couple. Um, so I think forgiveness is, is top of the list um, with everyone. That's beautiful. Do you have a story in your life where you've had to do forgiveness and empathy for somebody? Yeah. So I have, uh, so I'm divorced. Um, so I've got an ex-wife and, you know, things don't work out. I, I always say this takes two to tango. You know, if, if people read the story, they blame her, uh, but it takes two to tango. And at the end of the day, we have two beautiful boys, a 15 year old and a 16 year old. And so I had to get to a point that, listen, I forgive you and I forgive what happened we're together forever. We're still a family to raise two kids. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it ate away, I think at my parents and my sisters more that I forgave them. Uh, you know, I had my mother-in-law living with me. I said, you know, it's about the kids and it's about the family. I, I can't harp on the past and what happened. Um, so you just have to forgive to move on. Um, it was actually a hard pill for her to swallow. She was kind of like, I don't understand. Like you just forgive me. I'm like, yeah, like let's let's raise these kids like whatever it takes we're both going to do 100 percent for the kids um so that's that was probably the biggest forgiveness i had to endure in my life um but you do it <laughs> you're happy let me tell you you're a happier person because i have friends who just hold this grudge against mm -hmm. their significant other ex-wife uh it just weighs them down yes. that negative energy is going to destroy you Plus the plus the lesson that you teach you're teaching your boys is massive, massive. So many yeah. parents sit there and go, okay, I want you to have great relationships and do all this and be successful in school and, and da 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 da. And then the parents are like, well, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And you, at least you're setting the example, John. So bravo to you, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, listen. Like I I sit here and I preach unconditional love and I preach love yourself so you can love others and I teach people how to fill their cup and we we do the I am statements everything you're talking about. But one of the, the hardest pieces, so when I'm teaching my program, it's L-O-V-E. So it's listen, observe, voice, and empathize. So empathy is walking down the road saying, how could that person do blank? And under different experience, Chris and I talk about this all the time. Anybody could. The second part is fear, and it's forgive, eliminate beliefs, programming, needs no longer serving you, and then accepting yourself and others where they're at in the journey, and then rising up and being resilient so you can make all this come to fruition that a is another one accepting people where they're at in the journey mm -hmm. but it seems like you're getting it your mother-in-law didn't do anything wrong you right. know and your kids didn't do anything wrong and even if your wife had done something with that we want to deem wrong having empathy for going hey you know what at least i'm able to be the bigger person in this situation i don't need to crucify the world because the one thing we have in this world and you know it you said it you're up at 3 30 it's time that's and right so to throw away time so that you can say I'm right and you're wrong provides zero value in existence. You and so think of, think of what you just did. Like, like we started the conversation with how do you be the light? Two boys just said, oh, so I can move on from things quickly. Their yeah. friends probably saw it. People you don't even know, like you're saying, you have no idea who's seeing that. And now there's more people hearing this story. People are like, but that doesn't make sense. Well, go make sense of it. 
Right. Because the more we make sense of it, the more beautiful this world becomes. So bravo to that, because that's badass. I think it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I tell you that that time thing, people say, oh, what do you want in life? I want to be a time billionaire. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. I mean, people can make money, but if you run out of time uh, and we were talking, I was talking to Senior Hennigan when I was standing uh, next to his bed and he said, yeah, I wish I had more time, but I'm happy with my life and everything that I've done. Um, so at the end of the day, time is is precious so yeah it's not worth holding a grudge let the negative energy go um and do something with your time so yeah so you literally can like say like, so listen to how easy and difficult that is simultaneously right somebody hurts you there's an, an old event that we we attach an emotion to that we want to keep feeling we say we don't want to feel it but we're addicted to the animosity the anger the sadness the but we can end that and we just bought more time Right. Like it's free. It's free time if we forgive. That's it. Man, that's let's just stop the show right now and just leave <laughs> people with that. That's beautiful. Chris, we got more to go. What else you got for him? Well, I mean, I, and I think I think it I think it all is really about, you know, we we go through our lives and we we take on different meanings and different beliefs and different truths as especially in in, in as kids. I mean, we've shown the child psychology studies show that the conditioning process that happens when we're a kid from 0 to 5 really paints who we are and who we believe we are based on the teachers we have interactions with, you know, family, of course our parents, our siblings, our friends, all all of the different inputs that come into our brain and we carry those along with us until we're adults and sometimes in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s even. And so it's important for us to sit there and stop and decide that we're ready to do that reset. We're, decide, we're deciding to go ahead and let things go. But more importantly, we have to sit there and figure out what it is that we're tolerating from ourselves, from others, and from other objects. And because so many times we think, well, I'll just deal with that. 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 And to the point, to the self-love component, we don't get realize how much we've taken on and how much we don't have for ourselves until we get serious with that and writing that stuff down. Talk to us about that in your life, John. Have you gotten to a point in your life where maybe ego was overrunning some of your, your goals and your dreams and the way you were living your life? And then you got to a point and you went, wow, you know, it's really, like you said before, it's not about the money and everything else. It's about the time. Talk to yeah. us about things you've had to let go in order to become the man you are today or the or the parent that you are today. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we're all to fall in this trap, but I used to have, uh, and I still do my goals every year, but my goals have changed in terms of where do you put them? So it was more make money so you can buy a house. And this is what the house is going to look like. And here's your vision board of what the house is going to look like. And, yeah. and you know, my ex-wife and I, we said, well, we want to get a boat because we want to keep the kids together on a boat with family time. And so that whole, oh, I got to work really hard to make money for that almost took over to mm -hmm. a point that I'd come back. I mean, I, I'd come home Thursday night and she would say, you're just miserable. You're like, yeah, I'm exhausted because my whole focus was around building my orthodontic practice, making more money. And it got to a point that I said, you're right. I said, I'm not happy with that. So let's focus on doing the best I can while I'm working but also give more time to be happy in my own life, which creates more time with the family. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to let go of that. Hey, you need to work so many hours and make so much money. Um, but that, that was a tough lesson. Probably I was probably 40 years old, 38, 40 years old when I, when I learned that lesson or came to that aha moment and said, um, you know, life's not about making money. Uh, you know, we have a, we have a nice home that is, you know, beautiful roof. It doesn't leak. The kids are safe. Uh, could we have a bigger home? Of course. Could we be on the water? Of course. But that, that, that wasn't really 
what makes me happy. It doesn't make me tick. Yeah. Um, so I had to let go of that part and realize that again, time, time with the kids um, was more important than making money. And I don't know where we learned that making money was the most important thing. You know, my parents weren't like that. My dad was a plumber, um, but every night he was home for dinner. He worked seven days a week. He was home every Sunday um, for for lunch, for lunch. We'd either do it my grandparents on his side or my mother's side. Um, you know, family was was key. Uh, he worked for survival. I mean, we we didn't have anything. I mean, we we really nothing. Um, but money was not an important part for him because he grew up without a dad. Um, so his dad, he was seven when his dad passed. His mom worked in the leather factories in Peabody. For, you know, 16 hour days. Wow. So I don't know where this, you got to make money to be successful, started to creep into my life. Um, but I definitely got rid of it in my late thirties. Yeah. That's well, awesome. There's, there's an, there's an alignment to success and money. And, and, you know, it's unintentionally taught at our high school, like without a question. I mean, I remember pulling in with a 1976 Dodge Velari and I was That's lucky right. to have a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so then you got like, you know, some other kids got a Corvette or a Mercedes or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't even get that. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I remember my buddy, Pete Lemaire, he has his parents for mom, bought him a brand new BMW. He lived up in Newburyport. I couldn't even conceptualize like the home. You know, I'm like, what? Well, I, I remember mm -hmm. they, there were two guys that had IROC Zs and we we're just like, who, what? Mm -hmm. a sports car in high school because i'm like you i got my grandfather's hand-me-down car and and i, I was thrilled i'm yeah. like it runs i used to shine it i mean the rust i would rust rub over the rust same thing i, mean, I don't know where I, I don't know where it happened it could have been in high school that okay everyone else is successful because they drive this car but maybe they weren't happy it's a whole comparison thing. It's all like, oh, I'm better than you. And then all of a sudden we got to do that one upsman thing like, oh, I need a better house. I need a better car. I need a better look. I need a better wife. I need a better this so that I look good in somebody else's eyes. When at the end of the day, as long as we can go to sleep at night with our with our knowledge, knowing that we're living intentionally on our purpose, we're being good to people in the world, um, we're being good to ourselves. You know, that's that's the that's the that's the juice of life. When you go to sleep at night and think, wow, you know, I made a difference in somebody's life today, you know, um, as opposed to, oh, I have more cars and more this and more that. I got to that same point too. I was working a great job, you know, beautiful house, beautiful cars, beautiful stuff and all that other thing. But I was killing myself to keep going and to keep going to get more. Oh, if I get more, then I can do this. And then ultimately get into the point where I burn myself out. I burn my adrenals out because I was pushing and going so hard and trying to set the example and show everybody that this is how powerful you can be. And this is how successful you can be. Even if you're a homeless seventh grade dropout, like I was. And then I just kind of came to the point. It's like, why am I doing this? Right. Oh, I'm doing this for all these external reasons, but I'm not fulfilled inside. What kind of person can I be if I start fulfilling that person inside and start healing that little boy inside who was hurt and abandoned from all these other different situations in life and has had to put on this disguise, if you will, to get validation and significance and everything else. When you let go of all that stuff and you can just vibe with who you are and, and attract the right people in your life, life can be truly amazing. You know, all the accolades and everything else. I've talked to millionaires, billionaires, rock stars, actors and actresses. All of them say, yeah, Chris, for the first six months, the money and the fame, it's brilliant. It's amazing. I can go whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. But after that point, if they're still miserable inside, you can't polish a turd. Yeah. Chris, I got I got something to add to that. And I think it's going to just make so much sense. And John, this you'll relate to this with high school, too. So a, a gentleman just signed up for my retreat. I got to get to you to one of my retreats, John, by the way. I think we'd have a lot of fun. Like you'll love some of the work that we do, the men's, the men's work. But um, this guy's super successful financially. He lives in Westlake, the most expensive part of Boston, and all of Boston's expensive now. So he's probably got a house that's five million. He's got another home. He's got all the stuff. You know, he's doing great. 
he also just got divorced. And he said that um, a lot of people from his high school came back and started connecting with him saying, hey, you okay? And people he hadn't spoken through through social media. And he said it was very weird because the gamut of people, like there was the pretty girl, there was the athlete, and he was the shy kid. And he's like, I felt like I didn't know any of these people. And then I started talking to him and we were so connected. What was wrong? And I go, can I suggest something? You tell me if this might be it. You were all hiding behind a different mask and a different disguise. The yeah. pretty girl had to act pretty to be in that click. She has no choice. The football stud boy, even though he wanted to do theater, couldn't because he has to build up to that. And you're you're all looking at each other going, I'd love to play in the sandbox together, but we can't. And now we can. So yeah. let's talk about that because that's the premise of this program. When I said that, he goes like, ding, 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 ding. He's like, holy shit, that's it. Because we're all trying to love ourselves and we see each other as who we are. It's like Avatar. It's like, I see you. And so as that's happening, why? And again, there may be a reason as part of evolution, but why does it take this long? Why are we sitting here saying, OK, I only have this many years left when I can kind of I finally see others in myself. What can we do to get our 16 year old daughters and sons to really start to see themselves and others? Because I'm also a college professor, so I work with 18 year old, 19 year old kids. And I dude, I've spent so much time trying to get them to do it and they get it. But it's a lot of work. Like what recommendations do we have to get them to start seeing you might be in this group, but I see you. Yeah, that's a great question because you know I think we all fell in that trap. Um, if you played basketball, you're a good athlete all through high school. Um, and I played soccer, so we ran with that crowd. Right. But not that it was hidden, but one of my closest friends was Paul Sternlieb, and he couldn't play a sport or throw a ball to save his life. But we hit it off. We talked all the time, but we didn't run in the same social circle, so we didn't hang out with my soccer friends and. I still talk to him to this day. Wow. But I see in my kids that they run in that, that athletic circle and they know how I am now that my friends are not all athletes. My friends are not white collar workers, blue collar workers. I, I've got the gamut of friends, um, but they still run in that circle. So I don't know how to teach it. I, I thought it was more, you know, by example, they would see, but, um, they're not there yet. And and I don't know when they'll get there, if they'll get there, but they definitely run. They, they're attracted to the same type of person that they are, you know, the athlete, the jock, uh, you know, so, so I, you I just said something right there. I just got, yep. got to stop you for one second. You yep. said they're attracted to the same kind of person that they are, but we still just did something there. You did the labels of the outside instead of yep. the inside. Right. So why are we doing that? Because because, yeah. again, I still if Chris says like, and you catch me quickly without me going deep, he's like, what kind of person are you? Like, oh, I'm an athlete on this and that. It's like, shit, I'm still attaching to that bullshit. Mm -hmm. I still told you like, like my exciting moment yesterday was beating a bunch of 20 year olds in a basketball court at 52. And right. I'm deep down like, this is what I think it is for me. And I'll just share for me. My meditative practice, in addition to meditation, which I'm doing the same thing in my routine is I need a physical meditation to become present. And when I'm playing basketball, I'm fully present. I'm not thinking of anything except for the dance of the game. So right. I use it as meditation. So for me, I, I kind of associate an athlete as being a space that I can be present in this world so I can bring that presence back to everything else I do. Now, I don't know if that's what everybody's doing it for. I think it might be a mask to hide behind, which I definitely use it for in high school. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I don't know if the girls will like me, but if I play basketball or I'm funny, they will. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to just keep laughing and making jokes and keep dunking. 100%. Yeah. And what, why would you stop? And so that's, how do we get people to really see each other? Because I know that, you know, talking to John, he's, and I, I know this woman is too. I mean, she's still gorgeous, you know, beautiful woman. And he's like, she's a completely different person because she was cheated on. She had all this stuff happen. You know, all, and now she's sitting here going, all the people I really liked were sitting over there at the other table and I'm with these people. And it was just this big game. There's got to be something. And it, and it can be like you and I were talking about. A 16-year-old boy shouldn't be allowed to drive. They're not mature enough. No. <laughs> I, 52 year old shouldn't be allowed to drive snowmobiles as well. That's true. <laughs> I, I think with time, you have some life experiences which, which sort of help you mature into your beliefs. And so I think that's what happened with me. Um, and I'm hoping that's what happens with, with my kids. And I'm hoping that's what happens with my patients that because I see the same thing with, with patients in the office. You know, you, you get this group that's into theater and you ask them about theater and then you got the guy next to him who plays soccer. And you're like, oh, are you are you doing the musical theater at the middle school? They're like, oh, no, I don't I don't do plays. I'm like, Why wouldn't you do plays? Like I would die to be in a play, even if it was yeah. behind the scenes. Um, but I think it was it's kind of that stigma that they still have. And I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of what, what I think is where we're talking about is because my son's six years old, and I've had to kind of put it in my brain, you know, thinking about me being a, a mindset coach for so many years and thinking about my own personal story of of what I've been through. What we want for our kids, we want them to avoid going through the same mistakes and the same pitfalls that we went through, right? You know, we're parents. Okay, if you do this, then you won't experience this hurt. If you do this, then you won't experience this. If you do this, then you'll you'll be successful. And we want it so bad for our kids, but at the same time, when we think about our own process and our own journey. We had to get in the snowmobile accident. We had to get in the other accident. We had to have these things happen to us. We had to get to the bottom of the bottom to realize what's important. That beautiful girl had to be, you know, had to go through those experiences to be the person that she is today. And so for even for me at six, at my son being six years old, in the last probably especially three or four months, I've just purposely said, Chris, I can't rob him of this experience. Like he's going to have to figure it out on his own. I'm not going to kill myself worrying like he's going to trip on his shoelaces. He's going to do this. I'm going to get a phone call. Sure enough, I get chills when I think about it. I'm going to get a phone call from the school. One of these days he's going to have a broken arm because he just, he jumps. It's just going to be the way it is. And I think so that's, that's what we have to do. But I, but I love the fact that you're, you're demonstrating, you're demonstrating the walk in the talk. Right. And so when they get to that point, when they're in their late teens or their twenties or something like that, cause I've seen a lot of my friends go through that with their kids from about 18 to 24, like this whole fucked up cycle where you're just like, wait a minute, I raised them to be this and now they're this. And all of a sudden they come back and they go, Oh, Hey dad. Hey mom, I'm sorry. I, now I realize what you were trying to say. Now I see what you're doing. So it all has to come and make sense for all of us. Like I've had people in my life tell me, Chris, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. Not until I realized it for myself, did it become clear, but I was able to look back and go, there were all these seeds that were planted all along the way. And now it's up to me to pour my own water and to continue moving on that way. So I think that's one of the, the one of the challenges is, is to sit back and like lead by example, but also be there for them when they fall down. No, I think you're right. hundred percent. You know, you got to let the leash out a little bit. They're going to get hurt. They're going to fall down, but that's how they're going to learn. But they got to know that you're there to support them. And, yep. and you know, you're a few steps behind them. And I think that's what we try to do as parents. Mm -hmm. What are some of the lessons you've learned being a parent? Like when you think back, about, you know, like 15 years of being a parent, what are some of the big things that you've learned about yourself or learned about life in general? Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you nailed it. You, we, we learned, both my ex-wife and I, that you got to let the kids uh, experience life. I mean, talk about broken bones. Each of them, probably eight to 10. Wow. Um, 
you know, you let it, you let them live their life um, and, and kind of explore and get out there. I mean, back when Scott and I grew up in fourth grade, I used to, I was 10 years old. I moved to a new city, but I used to ride back to my old city on a bicycle. Yeah. Uh, 20 minute ride. Nowadays, parents are like, oh, we're not letting them ride down the street. We're going to walk next to them. But dude, we'd ride up 128 on bikes. Like, yeah. And I wouldn't think oh, twice about it. I would shoot down one Salem Willows, which is a 25 minute, 30 I minute bike. Same thing. Yeah. But, you know, I think we, we allowed the kids to explore the world around us. Yeah. Uh, knowing that there's some risks out there, but, you know, they, they need to explore. So um, I think one of our biggest, my biggest lesson was let the kids explore. Give them a little room on that leash. Don't hold it too tight. Um, and I'm hoping that it'll pay dividends as they get older. I love it. Yeah. So, no, it's so good. John, what's, what's one final thing that you can leave with everybody? So we've got a group of people here right now seeing somebody who is leading by example. What's one final quick sentence that you can leave everybody with that they could potentially take on and do themselves? Oh, I mean, like I said, I am healthy is my, my first I am statement. Um, so I think people need to realize it's never too late. I don't care if you're 40, 50, 60 years old. Start today. Take take back your life. Uh, become healthy because you'll. it's going to be a, the best version of yourself to, to really take care of your family, your kids, your community, friends. So never too late. Start with uh, getting healthy. Take care of yourself. Fill that cup. Yeah. Love it. Paul, thank you. Thank you again for spending your time with us. I know you're a busy man. You're out there running an orthodontics clinic. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation if they want to learn more about what, what Paul's up to? John. Um, John, John yeah. Pablo. I was, I, was, I, was, I was literally looking at this and I was like, did I spell that right? And I we went, record, we was, record too. We record that right. So. <laughs> but yeah, ironically, I, had, I have first cousins with the last name Paul, so I get that all the time. So Yeah, he's been uh, called worse, dude. We're, 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 we're guys. Worse. Yeah. It can be worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people can reach out to me. Um, Dr. Pablo at me.com is my uh, email if they want to reach out and continue a conversation. But I would say uh, become healthy. That's my uh, advice for everyone and start today. Yes. And for those listening awesome. on the audio podcast, it is www.pablobraces.com. So P A V L O B R A C E S.com. Go check them out. Go get your teeth fixed. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man, this has been a great conversation, guys. I'm going to place you backstage here for a second. And uh, Scott yeah, and I are going to finish out the show. Right, don't go anywhere because we, we still want to chat with, we still want to chat right with you just a second. Seconds, All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And there we have it. Another uh, amazing uh, conversation there, Mr. Scott. Thank you for introducing us to him. I mean, oh, what yeah, a what yeah. a what a genuine dude. I mean, I feel like we could just all go hang out and have beers and, and go get our kids to go play. 100%, 100%. I will say this, like the people that we hung out with, even though we did hide behind a mask, I think there was a lot of Johns and myself who loved our friends and and would always bring the other people in from different groups. I think we were pretty good at that. We just still hid behind the masks. And I just want to end on saying this, that accept people where they're at in the journey is a struggle for me and many people I speak to. And I think John really nailed it there is you said it too. I mean, you, you premised it. We've got to let people live their experience. We can't live somebody's journey for them. We can't save them. We can't save our kids. We can't decide the idea of what we want our kids' life to look like. It's their journey. We can set the example. We can be the best version of ourselves. We can love on them like Professor Hennigan did for us, respect them. And I think we're all doing a great job. Keep doing more of it. That's what I got to add. Awesome, Scott. I love it. I my I'll just I'll just end with this. I believe that the one of the, the core things that we've talked about here on the show many times, and we talked about here on the, the conversation tonight, is for everybody out there, consider writing your eulogy. 
you know, when you think with the end in mind, ladies and gentlemen, you have that picture, like Scott said, you know, the adjectives of what you want to be remembered for, who you want to be remembered for. I know for me, the crux of my eulogy is says, I will fight for what's right and what's fair. I will have risked for which that mattered. And I will left the earth a better place for who I was and what I did. And much to what John was saying, when I wake up in the morning before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for. And then I set my intention to be, to fulfill that legacy. So for you guys watching this and listening to this, we highly, highly recommend take that, take that moment for your op, for yourself, write down the things you want to be remembered for, who you want to be remembered for, write that out and then say it back to yourself out loud. Cause I can promise you it'll be an impactful uh, experience for you. And then every single day when you wake up, fulfill that light, fulfill that legacy and be the best person you can possibly be to yourself and to others and to make this world a better place. We will be back here again next week, next Friday night, 5 PM Pacific standard time. As always, make sure you go check us out at www.theunfilteredexperience.com www.theunfilteredexperience.com. We've got some more amazing shows, some more amazing guests here in this topic of uh, talking about who am I? So we appreciate you guys. Let us know what it is that you want to see on the show, different types of topics for the seasons that we're now doing. Uh, let us know, go join the Facebook community and let us know. So we appreciate and love each, every one of you take notes, uh, apply them. And uh, we will see you here next time on the unfiltered experience. Love you all. Love you all. Peace.